everyone, and this is episode 23 of season 2 of Going Beyond Salvation, and this is your host, Jess Robinson, and we're going to mainly be focusing in numbers today with the story of Balak and Balaam, and uh, Balak is, you know, he's the son of Zippor, and he's this ruler, and he realizes that, you know, the Israelites are coming. And he gets this bright idea that to have Balaam, who was a priest diviner, curse uh, the Israelites. And see, Balaam was not an Israelite, but he was known as a, as a priest diviner. And... You know, Balak was thinking that this man could put curses on other others by influencing the will of the gods and spirits through his secret knowledge of sorcery, incantations, and mysterious manipulation. So he, he thought that he could manipulate God, in essence, because these gods are not real gods. But, you know, he thought he could do something like this. Some speculate that Balaam may have been... A true follower of God at one time, who later departed from the faith and became a diviner. Uh, just because there are several references that he says, the Lord, my God. Um, but it indicates, you know, that his worship of many gods included the worship of, of the God of Israel at that time. Uh, think about it, that, you know, it, it thing, it's the, the news of Egypt had reached to to these foreign lands. So there was something to be said. But there's not really a lot of proof that he was. You know, we see that Balaam, he was more, he was a false prophet. He had no concern for God's honor or the holiness of God's people. He was actually more more focused on money and his prestige. Uh, in this story, we, we do see the Lord work through him to, to prophesy, you know, just as, as a backslap to, to Balak that, you know, you're not going to manipulate me, you know, I'm not going to change my mind. I've, I've blessed these people and, and, you know, I, I'm not changing my mind and, you know, well, we see this in this story that Balaam, however, Balaam really doesn't, he, he has kind of this moment with God, but then his, his old self comes in, you know, and his love for money, his love for prestige, it, it comes back in and he actually causes the to lead the Israelites into sin and immorality. And we'll read that that story in a bit, but um, in a couple, you know, in, in the future. And because of this, he is killed. You know, you'd think him meeting the angel of the Lord in this story, you think him meeting, you know, having this presence with God, you know, this, this, 
what or this appearance of God and being used by God would change him to where he would not go back to his old ways, but he just he's not changed. He doesn't have that inner transformation to change in his life and it causes him to still go back down the old road. And we have to be careful of that as, as believers that, you know, when you accept Jesus into your life, you live a changed and transformed life. And, and it does say, you know, that there are people out there that do read this Bible and they're not transformed by it. Because they just treat it as something to check off. You know, there there are certain groups out there that have, you know, kids memorize Bible verses. And then because they've memorized a Bible verse, they get a treat for it. But the kid is not transformed by the verse. And that's something you have to be careful with. I'm very careful with my youth group that it's, it's because it, it, I make sure that they want to read. And what they are reading is changing their life. You know, we don't have this whole thing of, well, if you can memorize this verse, you get a treat. It, they're going to want, they have to want to memorize that verse because that verse transformed their lives. You know, we teach them how to look up verses and and how to pray verses in their lives. And that, yes, it's, it's great when you memorize a verse, and but it's... We want it to transform them. And there are people that that do have an experience with God, but they're not transformed by Him. And it's sad. It's sad. It does happen. And you have to pray for those people because, you know, they're walking on that road to, to destruction, you know. And so, you know, we look in this story of Balak summons Balaam and you know, his, you know, elders go out and they go to Balaam and Balaam goes, you know, kind of considers their offer, but, you know, he just says, you know, spend the night here and I'll bring back the answer, you know, the Lord, the Lord gives me. So they stay the night and Balaam, you know, God tells Balaam, you know, that, you know, do not go with him. You not, must not put a curse on these, those people because they are blessed. So Balaam, you know, he gets up, tells them to go back, does not consider their offer. And they leave. But Balak sends them back and, and you know, says, you know, don't let this stop you. Don't let this stop you. I'm going to reward you, re- you know, handsomely and do whatever you say. And so Balak, you know, he answers to them, even if Balak gave me his palace filled with silver and gold, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. That's where he should have ended it. He should have told them to leave. But he tells them to stay here for the night. And we see because people are like, well, the Lord told Balaam to go, but why is he so angry? And I think it's because of this part, because Balaam told them to stay the night, which means he was still considering the offer. Which, you know, as believers, we we can relate to because there's times where not every offer that you're going to get 
or every opportunity or every open door is not always from God. That's why it's important that you pray about things before saying yes. Because especially if it means moving, it means, you know, leaving another job. You have to, you know, count the cost as it is and pray about it. And if the Lord says no, it means shut the door and leave it. But as believers, sometimes it may seem enticing that even though we hear the Lord say no, we kind of want to take it further and just see what more there is. Maybe God will change his mind and, and say, okay, go ahead. That's not how it is. That, you know, we are, when God shuts a door and, you know, you are not to open that door back up. And so, you know, as believers, that's something that we really need to look to. And, and, and it is hard because some, it is hard because, you know, the Lord doesn't, you know, it doesn't tell you who to marry, you know, or which job you're to take, you know, that's how, you know, that's a part of us drawing near to the Lord and, and praying because then we know who he is, you know, we understand his presence, we, you know, and his peace so that when something comes in and we, and it's not from him, we'll know and we'll just walk away and say, no, thank you. He should have said no and just told them to go back, but he let them stay. Now the Lord lets him go, but he's so angry that he, there's this angel of the Lord and it's, you know, this really funny story with Balaam's donkey. And, you know, the donkey sees the angel of the Lord, but Balaam doesn't. And this this animal moves over and, and does all these things. And Balaam is so mad at his donkey and he's not thinking, wait a minute, this is my, my trusted donkey that I ride all the time. Why are they doing this? You know, and there's times... You know, as believers, there will be signs of, of, of warnings, you know, flashing warning signs that we're not to be doing something and sometimes we're ignoring it. But there's all these signs and we're not and we're just ignoring it and things maybe not be going right and we're just sitting here going, what the, and instead of saying, you know, why? Why? And, um... And so this this encounter happens with the angel of the Lord where he makes the donkey speak and it opens up Balaam's eyes and and into what's going on and the angel you know it, it said I could have killed you if your donkey hadn't seen me. Eh. And Balaam realizes that he sinned and that he's like, well, you know, if you're displeased, I will go back. But the angel of the Lord, you know, tells him to go with the men, but only to speak what he tells him. So he goes. And there's this, this scene with Balak and Balaam. And, you know, and Balaam is, you know, he, they do this altar and, you know, and he, you know, Balak picks this spot so that, you know, Balaam will see the people and, curse them, just curse them. And, 
And Balaam, you know, you know, his whole attitude is, I, but can I just say anything? I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. And we see that in many Bible characters. We saw it with Joseph, that it's not me that interprets the dreams, but the Lord. And we'll see it with Daniel, that it's not me that interprets the dreams, but it's the Lord. And taking this bold step, at that point, Balak could have probably killed Balaam if he wanted to, but he didn't. And we have this whole thing where they set up this altar, he makes it perfect, they do this altar, this sacrifice, but Balaam doesn't curse the Israelites. You know, and, and Balak is mad. He's like, what have you done to me? I brought you to curse my enemies, but you have done nothing but bless them. And Balaam's answer is, must I not speak what the Lord puts in my mouth? And, and I think sometimes we are like Balak in a way where the Lord gives us an answer. And we're just like, no. That's not the answer I was looking for. Because sometimes, you know, what the Lord's answer may be, maybe not what you wanted to hear. You know, maybe, you know, he's, he's telling you, you're supposed to stay when you're wanting to leave. And it's a harsh reality. And it, I, it's happened to me where I'm sitting there going, I don't want that answer. I want something else. And you think... That just because you don't agree with it, that it's it's not the Lord. But there's a lot of times the Lord is, he'll say something that is totally opposite from what you want. Because, you know, his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so, you know, this ends up happening. So what does Balak do? He goes, well... You know, come with me to this place, this other place. And, you know, thinking that this other place is is going to get a favorable answer. And sometimes, you know, we try to bargain with God, you know, and and we can't bargain with God. Because as we see it in the second oracle, You know, Balaam says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and then not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? I have received a command to bless. He has blessed and I cannot change it. So this is part of his oracle, you know, that God is not going to change it. And... You know, there's times where we want God to change his mind. And it doesn't say, you know, it, you know, like in the instances where God, you know, is, is prophesying judgment on people. And these people turn around and repent and they really humble themselves. God will relent. Be, you know, and we do see that. We will see that with the people of Nineveh in the story of Jonah. You know, that he did change his mind. He didn't bring judgment then because the people had humbled themselves and they had repented for their sins. And, but, 
you know, in certain situations, though, in a lot of situations, God does not change his plans. And so we see this happening. And so he's not happy. So Balak, you know, his answer is neither curse them at all, nor bless them at all. He doesn't want any blessing or curses. And Balaam's answer is, did I not tell you I must do whatever the Lord says? And that's where we ended for for the reading because there's going to be one more oracle. But I'm not going to go into that. But practically we have this story of, you know, of Balak and Balaam. And, you know, we have to really look at our lives and make sure that we're not bargaining with God, especially, you know, when it, and when it's regard to sin, it's something that's not good in our lives. And the Lord is saying, no, you know, and I know that there are people, they, they will sit there and bargain with God going, well, you know, God do this and this, you know, and, and I really, in my life, and then I'll just get rid of this and it's like you know get rid of the drugs or get rid of the alcohol you know we we tend to bargain with God when he's and it's not good for us you know for something that's not good for us and he's saying no or we don't get our way and we try to bargain with God you know to get our way and he's trying to speak to our heart that he has something else in mind and and that's something that we really need to focus on as, as believers to really make sure that we're not, you know, bargaining with God. And also, you know, in the, in the case of Balaam, you know, he was so focused on the money, you know, and, and not compromising our own relationship with the Lord for, for momentary pleasures. You know, this money is just a momentary pleasure. And it's not going to go with him. And so we're, you know, we have to watch out for that. And so that's it for numbers. I'm going to, uh, we're going to jump to a break and we'll jump into the book of Mark. And we are back and we're in Mark chapter 14. And in Mark chapter 14, uh, we're, we're going through two sections. And one is Jesus, you know, predicts Peter's denial. And, you know, Peter has his heart for, for the Lord, but he wasn't ready to, to face the persecution. And it's one because the Holy Spirit hadn't come upon him yet. And... But we see his heart in this situation that he he's like, I'm not going to. But Jesus predicts that he's he's going to deny him three times before the rooster crows twice. And so I'm not going to really go into very much with Peter's denial until later on when it happens. Uh, but we go into the Garden of Gethsemane. And we've talked about a little bit of it in when with with Matthew and and that this was you know where a lot of you know people believe that you know with Jesus when he's in grief and in despair 
you know, distress and grief and it, that it was the burden of sin that was starting to be laid upon him. He was starting to feel that and he was starting to feel the presence of the Lord shifting away from him. And, and, and I talk about that a lot in the, in, in, in the book of Matthew, when we went over that. So I just welcome you to move into that podcast, part of that podcast, if you want to hear more. Um, a thing that I was kind of reading about is his prayer is an example for us, though, when we are in distress and grief, you know, or, or grief and or grief, you know, there can be distress and grief, or there can just be distress or there can be grief, you know, so it's an and or. And we see that he turned to God in prayer, you know, so that's something we need to do. He sought the support of friends, but we see that his friends, the disciples were asleep but for us, seek the support of fellow believers. Uh, many churches have what is called a prayer chain. Uh, feel free to util- utilize that. But also util- utilize other brothers and sisters in Christ that you are close with who understand you and, and the situation a little bit more because they will understand how to pray. Because most prayer chains try to keep it simple and a lot of times, and that's a little bit hard to keep it simple, but a lot of prayer trainings just try to keep it simple in a way. So always just seek the support of your friends, you know, and that's what I love about, you know, it's a great thing about Facebook Messenger. You know, you can have like a group, a chat group or whatever, and we do have one of those in, in our, you know, in our women's group and it was started up and, you know, it was a place, you know, we can play, it's a place where we can ask for prayer, but, you know, we also, you know, if there's a really great worship song that speaks to our heart, we can put it on there. Um, if people find something really neat, a verse or, or whatever, they can post on there, but, you know, so seek the support of your friends, you know, and then three, you know, he affirmed in his heart that God was his heavenly father who cares for him. And that's, something that we have to do as well, that we affirm in our heart that God is our heavenly father who cares for us, you know, instead of seeing him as the, the one who caused all this grief or distress, that he's the heavenly father that cares for us. And finally, trust God and commit yourself to his will. So he trusted God and committed himself to, to his will. It wasn't, about his will, but what God's will was. And that's a big part because it is a total surrender to the Lord to let him take over the situation because in, cause it's just like the imagery of where, you know, there's a banana and there's this narrow slot and the bit, this monkey wants to get a banana but he has to put his hand through this narrow slot, but he grabs the banana. And the problem is, is he can't put his hand back through this little slot in, in the wall because the banana is hindering that. And instead of letting go of the banana, you know, he 
you know, he just stays there and fights it. And that's how believers we can be is, yes, we'll, we'll pray, but then we don't commit to God's will in this situation. We don't let him handle it. And it's just like that monkey with the banana where we're holding on when we should just let go. And, you know, that's what Jesus was doing was he was surrendering totally to what God wanted him to do. And what he needed to do, and that was go to the cross. And and you know, he he took a beating for for us, you know, he was scourged and by his stripes we were healed, and then he went to the cross and you know, bore our sins on the cross and died as the ultimate sacrifice, you know, and, and the veil was torn, you know, our relationship with God is there, you know, we, we're, we're free to enter into God's presence now, especially when the blood of Jesus covers us. And, you know, he rose from the grave three days later. So, you know, he, that's, you know, in essence, what I wanted to talk about, we'll get into Jesus's arrest and, and Peter disowning Jesus in the next podcast. So, um, so that's pretty much it in essence that I wanted to talk about. We were mainly focusing on Balak and Balaam because that's a, a very well written out story, but it, it happened in real life. It's more than just a story, even though I say story because that's how people say it. It, it was an event that happened in real life. Balak and Balaam happened in real life. And so for the next podcast, we're going to read Numbers chapter 23, verses 27 through chapter 26, verse 65. And then uh, Psalm 37, verses 37 through 40. And then Proverbs 6, verses 30 through 31. And Mark chapter 14, verses 43 through 72. And I'm going to end in prayer. And I just want to say thank you, Lord Jesus, for for not backing out, Lord. We see the the grief and the distress that you went through in the Garden of Gethsemane and that, Lord, you didn't walk away, but, Lord, you continued on. And, Lord, we thank you, God. And, and Lord, we're just in awe of you, Lord, that you sacrificed yourself to die on the cross for us, Lord. And, Lord, I just pray that you would cleanse us, Lord, and I pray that you would guide and direct us, that we would hear your voice, that, Lord, we wouldn't compromise with the enemy, that we wouldn't compromise with sin, Lord, that when you tell us no, Lord, that we would just have the strength to walk away, Lord. Give us the strength to walk away from temptation, to walk away from any habits that are not of you and not approved by you, Lord God. We just pray, God, that... You would just renew our hearts, Lord, and that, Lord, just as the Israelites were blessed, just continually bless us in, in our lives, Lord, and that you would just be glorified and magnified in our walk. And we just thank you and give you the glory and the honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Have a great day, you guys. Mm-hmm.